This week's guest is Jamie Pollock. Jamie is a Scottish singer-songwriter from Alloa, formerly in the band Vida. Jamie is now embarking on a solo career and we spoke to him about his recent releases and what he's got coming up. As always at the end, he picked his four heroes to come for a dinner party. If you want to catch Jamie, I'll post links in the show notes. Until next week, thanks again and enjoy. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Just if you want to tell us, just a wee bit going back, like how you grew up and how you got into music and things like that, where you came from. So I'm from Alloa and uh, my dad, my dad was in a band when I was younger. So he kind of got me into music, really. Good to always give him credit for that. Um, so I've always been like a big fan of like bands and stuff like that, all the way through my childhood and teenage years and stuff like that, obviously, like when The View and that came in and the Libertines and mm. Arctic Monkeys, the Strokes and all that kind of stuff. That was the kind of first bands that I listened to. That's way that's before I even picked, picked up a guitar. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like just when I was 13, 14. Yeah. Um it wasn't until I left school actually that I started playing the guitar. And like my dad got me got me an acoustic guitar for my 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started. so it's kind of like a late starter. Majority of folk you talk to kind of been playing to like when they were like really young teenager kind of thing, you know what I mean? But I just kind of yeah. started when I was 18. And then I got into a band. I started a band with a boy that I was pals with at school. Kind of went for there. The band was called Vida. We did quite a lot of good stuff. Um, we were one of, one of the kind of biggest unsigned bands in, in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, we were gone about for about six or, se- six or seven years. Did a lot of touring, played gigs in Europe and all that kind of stuff. Headlined. Festival stages like Isle of Wight and all that kind of stuff. Uh, done some massive things. And uh, unfortunately, the band broke up in 2019, end of 2019. So, because I was singer and the songwriter, I thought, well, I'm not going to stop, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, didn't want, I didn't want the band to break up, so I just thought I might as well keep going myself. Um, so I kept the, kept the singing songwriting gone, um, played a few gigs, and then obviously the pandemic came. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and they played like three or four gigs, mate. But it's been good. It's been it's been all right because I got signed mm-hmm. by a, a decent label, Modern Sky. So they were they were fans of the band before. So they just then, um, as soon as they heard I was going solo, they just got in touch and said, "Send over your demos and what you've got," because we, we were a fan of what you were doing before. Yeah. Uh, so fired them some demos and that was it, mate. They just they got in touch, signed a deal. So that's pretty good, and it's been really really good so far. You know. Right. Hi, so my my mate. Been bigging, bigging these up at the time I, I got in Donties, he's were away. When was it like the summer of last year your first song came out? Uh, I, so I released my first solo single independently in January last year. Was it? Then uh, I released a, I released a reworked uh, Vida song, which uh-huh. was my song, which was 100% my own song anyway. I just it was kind of personal to me, so I thought it, I thought I'd better release it myself as well, just. Stripped back acoustic, did that in February, and then I went on tour. I played the uh, headline gigs in London and Manchester, and I was supposed to be headlining King Cuts as well mm-hmm. in Glasgow. Um, but that was when the that's when the first lockdown was announced. Two right. days before that gig, I uh, so it was just brutal, man. It was like because there was a, a good bit of momentum getting built at that point, eh? Because I went mm-hmm. and played the gigs in London and Manchester, and they were, they were amazing. Me and my mate Doyle went down 
and uh, had a great time. Gigs were gigs were class, good atmosphere and that. And then you start thinking, right, this is picking back up again. Though. Yeah. Especially with the band breaking up quite recently to that. You think that it's starting to kind of pick back up again, getting a bit of a buzz again. Um, King Tuts, as you know, King Tuts is oh, probably the best small venue. It is definitely the, the best small venue in Britain. Right? Oh, so day, when you when, when you've got, uh, when you've got a gig in there and it's it's nearing a sellout, you're like, right, this is going to be a cracking night. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic came came along and, and ruined different for us. <laughs> um, so it's been just kind of like been kind of stale ever since then. But like I said, obviously when the when the label came across and signed us in the in the summer, that's when that happened in the summer. Um, that was a big pick me up. You know what I mean? That kind of shot some life back into me again. Yeah. With the music because when that when that happens when you when that momentum gets built up and then it gets taken away again. Because it's something that's completely out of your, your control, like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of feel like, especially at that point, like we all we all kind of thought. I think we all kind of thought of that a few months into the pandemic, we didn't know when life was going to come back to normal again and all that. So I almost thought that music was kind of. I thought it was done. I was like, that's it. It's just mm-hmm. over. Eh? And then the, then the label got in touch and mm-hmm. picked it back up again. It's, so it's it was funny good. because I mean, I've I've like found so much. Like discovered so much music during this pandemic, and I, I mean I think it's been good for bands releasing stuff. But I mean, how do, how do you feel? Like, have you got like a lot of material that you're kind of sitting on and no want to release? Uh, oh, I've got loads of stuff. I've got books, books of stuff, mate. That's just unfinished songs. Whether it be recent stuff or stuff from over the years, mm-hmm. uh, we've either I've got loads and loads of stuff sitting there. You know, unfinished stuff. I've got some finished tunes as well, which sometimes I'll skip through the books when I've got some time to look at them and mm-hmm. go, shit, like, I remember that song, that's a cracking wee tune, and then I'll just rework it again, and then that can be a, a next single or something, you know what I mean? So I've got plenty of material there. Um, but no, I agree with you. Like this, if, if there's been one thing that's been good about the pandemic, it's been it's been giving you time to actually discover more music and yeah. kind of, you know what I mean, just broaden your horizons a little bit when it comes to bands that you listen to and stuff like that. Mm. So, like, going back to, obviously, I don't like to touch too much in video because, hey, you're doing your solo stuff, but... Yeah, yeah. How do you... How do you feel, the, like, the differences between, like, the band dynamic and you doing everything yourself? Do you like it like that, or would you prefer to have a band in you? It's... it's... Two completely different things, man. Um, I loved, I loved the band vibe. Like being in a band's brilliant because you've got, you've got those four other because we were a five piece. So you've got, you've got those other four creative minds around you. You know what I mean? Where we can, you can walk into a room one night with a tune that you've half written, and then come out at the end of the night with a totally new song that might, you might even sound completely different to how you thought it was going to sound when you started writing it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you've got that dynamic, which is really good about being in a band. And then also when you're on stage playing live, you've got like you're playing you're on stage with your best mates and you're all making a fucking class sound because you've worked really hard on getting tight and all that. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got people in the crowd bouncing along your tunes and it's great. That's like the best thing about being in a band. Um but then you've got the complete other side of the coin when when you're solo acoustic. I love my I think my favourite kind of style of music is like acoustic stuff, you know, when you listen to like No Gallagher's acoustic sessions and Richard mm-hmm. Ashcroft and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're just amazing when you listen to them acoustic. I've always liked that better. Yeah. Um, so when you when you start doing that kind of side of things, you appreciate it more when it's kind of stripped back. And like the gigs that I played, 
I know I've not played that many, um, but the gig that I played in London, that was really intimate. There was only like 50 or 60 people there. It's a really, really small venue. Yeah. But it was nice, you know. I mean, it was really nice because because I, I was only ever used to like madness with being in the band. Yeah, it was quite nice to have that kind of really intimate kind of feel to the to the gig, and I could kind of slow down my songs, and it was yeah, nice. Just and relax and, it. and just feel your way out of the gig. That's it. I, and then the Manchester gig after it, the day after, that was totally different. That was mental. It was yeah. amazing. I, the crowd was all young people. It was it was probably like two hundred people there. Whereabouts is that in Manchester? Yeah. The venue's called uh, Pink Room. Yes, right. Pink Room or something it's called. Snuts played there the year before, or half a year before I played. Right. Um, so it's a good venue. Like it's it's kind of where those can that, that kind of level of bands will go to when when they play in Manchester. Right. So it was that was a crack that was a cracking night. Um, and then that's that's what I mean. That's how when I played that, I thought right next week I've got or in two weeks I've got King Tuts. It's gonna be it's gonna go ah, off. You know what I mean? Um, and it didn't. <laughs> So is that kind of, is that touch one then? Will that, is that ready to get rescheduled or then? Did you still well, need you to keep the button? Aye, they did. Basically, they just kind of kept my name there, but they've no, obviously, we didn't really know when a gigs are going to happen again, even though we had the announcements and stuff. Um, what I've said to them is I'd actually rather, it's, it's a bit of a tough one because I know that even though I was in a band that would, that did sell out, King Tuts. Mm-hmm. I would rather, because I'm technically a new, a new solo artist. You know, I'm no like it's, it's no weed anymore. So, uh-huh. what I've what I've done is I've I'm mates with um, you know that Andrew Cushion uh-huh. Newcastle. Yeah, really I've seen good. that. Uh, he's playing at King Tuts, so right. I'm going to be support. I'm going to be supporting him there. I'd be main support for that, just to right. try and build back up again because I know with my experience that you need to kind of build yourself back up to that yeah. kind of headliner status again, you know what I mean? So I'll I'll, I'll be main support for Andrew at that gig. Uh, right. Aye, so well, that's, that, that's that, that gig, because, I mean, he's that's that, that good, smashing it as well, aren't he? Aye, I think that's going to be in September. Right, that one. that's going to be aye. my birthday Hopefully, well. hopefully it goes ahead, fingers crossed. Aye, I'll get your guest list, mate, if you want to, uh, like. Aye, early <laughs> September, man, that'll suit me. Aye, I guess the 11th of September, aye, so... Is it, aye? That's my birthday's aye. the 9th, so that, aye, I'll, I'll take the guest list, no bother. Aye, I'll sort it out for you, mate. No worries. <laughs> uh, aye, so, I mean, I was going to touch on Andrew, because I, I, I had kind of seen uh, that you were supporting him, but also you were due to support Mark Morris as well, weren't you? Aye, aye. It's funny that you just actually... Quite, uh, that. Just asked that there, mate. I've just had an email for the guy mm-hmm. that's putting that gig on, putting the gigs on, uh, and they're uh, being moved to December. Right. So that's literally just happened. Now I've just literally answered the email like before I joined the call. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to be Edinburgh and uh, Aberdeen, right. and they're going to be moved to December now. So I think it's going to be the second and third of December. Aye, uh, but that'll be good, man. Yeah. Both of them are class, underrated. Yeah, um, I mean so, I've no. I've never seen Mark Morris live, but like my, my pals, they go down to that Shine Festival, they go down there every year, I think Mark Morris plays that. What, what does he do? Does he do his own stuff, plus like Bluetooth songs or what? Aye, aye, that's what he does, aye. Aye, so that's really interesting. Good, I'm man. the same, I've never, I've never heard them heard them play live acoustic himself either, so... So that'll be good. Mm. I had a gig. I actually had a gig booked in with the Blue Tones as well, like the actual full band. Um, right. I met to be playing in Scunthorpe 
<laughs> of all places, <laughs> uh, and they wanted me to go there and support them. Um, that was meant to be in April, but obviously that's getting something's yeah. happening with that. I don't know what's when it's getting moved to, like you know. Yeah. Um, but just have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, that, this is hang see once everything does get back up and running. There's going to be that many gigs you're going to. Mate, it's going to be madness. Ah, you're going to need to pick and choose all your gigs. Because I could be going to like three or four gigs a week or whatever. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, it's going to be chaos when it all comes back, mate. It is. So obviously, you had a single. At, was that two weeks ago? Your new single, and away from the life, wasn't it? Yeah, aye, aye the like, kind of experimental one. Aye, because the first two songs have been quite kind of summery, jangly type, and then this one's a bit more kind of Beatlesy. So, aye, totally. is obviously is that an influence the Beatles? Huge, mate. Yeah, massive. That was probably the first band. Seen that, that really... you got a John Lennon picture in. Nah, massive influence, man. Um, sound, I sound pure common saying it, but it's just a, it's a fact, isn't it? The Beatles were that kind of band. Like for me, when uh, you know how I said my dad got me an acoustic guitar for my mm-hmm. 18th birthday, along with the acoustic guitar, he gave me a like you get these little black books. They're actually called little black books, and you get them in uh, your old guitar guitar the shop in Glasgow uh-huh. and uh, and Edinburgh. Um, you get these little black books. It's just like a like a chord book, like a song book for certain bands. And he gave me one that was a Beatles one. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like when I got the guitar, I sat down and learned to play their songs. And while doing that, that was me kind of subconsciously learning how to write a song because I was learning how to go from yeah. verse to a chorus kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So that was that's how it all hooking it. That's how it started for me really. Mm-hmm. So then I just went straight into them and I started looking at other stuff, getting into other songs watching all their wee mad psychedelic movies and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I was obsessed with them when I was younger, like, absolutely obsessed. <laughs> yeah. Huge fan. Well, that that's the thing as well. They, they kind of, getting into the Beatles, it kind of leads you into so much more. With, with me, kind of, I, I listen to like, all the other 60s bands through the Beatles, like the Kinks and the, the Stones and all that. And aye, then, aye. then, obviously, Britpop was about and all that. I used to look at all the Britpop bands, see, because like Oasis were always compared to the Beatles. I used to look at the other Britpop bands and say, right, well, Cooler Shakers, Rolling Stones, and yeah, Cast yeah. of the Who, and things like that, because they all did kind of sound a wee bit different. So it's kind of mega to kind of see what the what the what that scene was like and how much Britpop was the same. It, it, it kind of it's like people say how like music just goes around in circles, yeah. isn't it? And that's exactly what you mean. Like how you had that sixties period, and it did very much come right back around again, full circle. When by the time they got to the nineties, Oasis came out. They were kind of like the Beatles in the nineties, biggest band. Then you had your Blur, and your The Verve, yeah. Pulp, all that kind of stuff coming along as well. So it was. I wish I was uh, old enough. I was born in '93, but I wish I was old enough to actually mm. enjoy properly enjoy that because uh, I love the '90s. I Me, mean, that's my favourite era, definitely. Yeah, you get you get all these kind of '90s theme bars now. I've seen these pop them up. I went to see uh, Liam Gallagher at the Hydro a couple of years ago, and I was uh, sitting. We were sitting up in the up in the the seats, 
and there was two wee lassies sitting next to me, and they were they were singing, they were getting up and doing like wee dance routines and singing all the Angelica songs. But see when Oasis songs, see when he was playing Oasis songs, they didn't know them. That's me like, like like every cunt's down the, the bottom, like gone mental for love forever. And these two wee lassies didn't have a clue what it was. Have a clue what it is, eh? Oh, That's so, mad. That's mad, mate. Yeah. In a way, actually, it kind of shows you how like how much Liam Gallagher is actually still relevant as an uh-huh. artist at the minute because he's even he's even tapping into he's not just getting all the the Oasis fans going to his gigs he's actually getting new completely new authentic Liam Gallagher yeah. fans and they're like young teenagers who like you said didn't even know the Oasis songs which is fucking insane isn't it yeah mental mental well that's I mean I, I met a guy that night and he was like ages with me and he was there with his uh, daughter and his daughter was there just to see him Liam Gallagher as Liam Gallagher and he was there aye. to see Liam Oasis guy aye. so aye, it's crazy man. Uh, I mean do you see yourself kind of where do you see yourself in like 10 years time do you see yourself doing the high door or something like that <laughs> I fucking wish mate <laughs> aye uh, well look I hope that I just hope that that whatever happens, I'm still just enjoying it. You know what I mean? Um, I've always said that to when I started off, get, like going out there and doing gigs and putting my tunes out there, I, I would never ever want to go down the kind of road to like, you know how you get some people who get signed and then they end up, yeah, changing completely and then starting to put music out and put albums out that's not even how they actually originally wanted to sound, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like just no no authentic to them or that. As long as I, all I've ever wanted to do is just enjoy it. As soon as the enjoyment comes out of it, then I'll stop. Um, yeah. But I've never I've never stopped enjoying it. It's always been good for me. So if I can still enjoy it in 10 years' time, then I'll be happy. But hey, if I can play the hydro in 10 years' time, then yeah, go, I'm sorted. I'll be absolutely sorted. But that's just a pipe dream. <laughs> How, how do you go about your writing? Have you been writing yourself or have you been writing with other people? Or, no, or? just myself. Right, just, just myself. I mean, it's always been... Well, I mean, it's like, I'll be telling a lie say it's always been myself because when I was in the band, it was mm-hmm. me and at least two other members of the band would kind of sit around one of one of our songs kind of thing um, and finish it off. There would be times that I would go in and have a full song myself and it would just be my tune and then we'd just work it out as a band. And then same vice versa, they would sometimes come in with a song that they wrote. That was the good thing about Vida, was four out of five of the members of the band were actually songwriters and we were all pretty good songwriters as well, so it was really, really easy to finish songs off. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no, but, but see, but for, for me now, it's just myself. Um, but I've got no problems with that, that's that's totally fine. Um, I actually got asked that quite, I got asked that same kind of question in my last podcast that I did. And uh, see, if it, if it ever got to a point where I would need somebody to come in, um, if I had like an album to write and I was struggling to finish an album off, then mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it if, as long as the person that was coming in was actually writing good, good music. You know what I mean? And, and putting good, matched up with me as an artist, then I, then that would I'd be happy with that because you look at Liam Gallagher. He's obviously got people helping him out with yeah. his albums, and this the music's great. It's class. So he's obviously no bother. He's quite happy to have that person coming yeah. in and writing songs for him, um, or helping him write his songs. So. We'll just see how it goes, but right now I'm certainly I'm totally fine with the with the songwriting, mate. Yeah, just obviously, yeah. When you were in, when Vida were going about, uh, Kieran for the view, he was quite 
he was quite and he's like champion. He's still friendly yep. with him. Aye, aye. So I've not spoke to Kieran for a while, but we, you know, we like each other's stuff on social yeah. media and stuff like that. And there's been be messages here and there uh, a few times. He was great with us, man. He was he was like a like a mentor almost. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, when he when he got involved and he stuck around the full time, uh, he used to come down to our practice room in Alva. Uh, one of us would go and pick him up because he lives in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. One of us would go through and pick him up and um, bring him back through to Alva. And then he'd come into our practice room and sit with us all night and just help us out with uh, a thing that he calls pre-production. So it's just like basically he'd sit there with a wee notepad, right? And we'd play our songs live to him and he would just jot doing wee bits. He thinks that we'd be able to improve here, improve this bit here, change this lyric. Because apparently with The View, when The View released uh, Hats Off to the Buskers, they had somebody, and Witch Bitch as well, they had somebody actually do that with them as well, sat down and said, right, play the full album to my life and I'll just right. write down what I think you should change. And he said, Kieran said that when that happened, it really, really helped them polish the album up right. to make it to make them how good they are because they're, they're both really good albums eh? yeah and, and it worked a treat like you know the songs that we that we recorded with him it was him and a guy called Scotty Anderson and Dundee mm-hmm. and Scotty Anderson was actually the use sound engineer so we knew that he was going to be fucking like he's going to know what he's doing you know what I mean um, so the songs that we started off before Kieran actually came and helped us did come out sounding different and it sounded a lot better after he right. kind of made his mark on them. Uh, aye, great guy, man. He was he was brilliant. And he yeah. still is like, he's he's doing the same thing now, is he still doing that? He's doing that uh, web. web music, aye. Aye, aye. But obviously, aye. I mean, that kind of, again, he came out kind of just before all this pandemic, so... Uh, time, eh? Aye, it's, uh, it's horrible. I, I kind of think like big bands... They do need to kind of look after the, the, the bands coming up. I kind of figured we like babies, we the Libertines. So Pete Docker, he kind of helped out the view. And then Carol Barat, he was kind of champion in Las Vegas. At the same yep. time, it was aye. as if they, they kind of both says, right, well, I'm going to pick that one, you pick that one. And they both kind of... Aye, aye, that's did, that's like, a good kind of... I think these do need kind of a leg up. Just because if you get on a tour and you get like, a wee fan base behind you, man, it's it's brilliant for these. But I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I think uh, you could get you could write some songs with Kieran. Kieran's brilliant, man. See the song. You actually, uh, there's not a lot of folk that actually realise how good a songwriter he actually is. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I was and, and the, song, to... the songs that he wrote with the view. Mm-hmm. What did he write? Like W lines. Superstar tradesmen, all that kind of stuff. That was all him, man. And like, yeah. they're big, they're big tunes. And there's no, there's a lot more. That's me just picking a few. Um, but I went fucking songwriter, man. Excellent. Yeah. Have you got another single to come out in Aye. the near future? Aye, mate. I've got a. Uh, so I had that first one in January, and the second one just a few weeks ago. Then I've got another two to come out mm-hmm. um, on this. So the deal that I signed with Modern Sky is an EP deal. So it's a four track EP. So two out of the four have been released already. And then when the fourth one gets released, that's when the EP comes out um, for people to buy. So it will come out on vinyl. People can buy a vinyl and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and I'm thinking about putting a wee kind of secret track on 
the EP as well, just that will only be on the physical version, so people can the only way people can hear it is if they buy it. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, so that'll be that'll be good. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be I think the next one will be I think it's the nineteenth of March. Right. Oh sure. Mid March sometime. That's when the next one's gonna be. Mm-hmm. And then it's gonna be then probably the fourth one will be April and then the EP probably will come out straight after that, I think. Yeah. because uh, like I mean the first one, see the first song. I thought that sounds quite like Echo and the Bunnymen type start so it sounds a wee bit like uh, nothing lasts forever. Aye, aye. Uh, no, that's no me taking the pass at you, like fucking, <laughs> I, I know bands hate it and they want to sound themselves and all that, but no, it was, it's a nice oh, wee no, sound no. now. No, no, that's not, I, I wear my influences proudly on my sleeve, mate, I'm no, I'm no bothered about being compared to other people, like, I'll happily tell you right now that that song that I just released was massively influenced by uh, the Beatles and yeah. Who Feels Love by Oasis, you know that song Who Feels Love, that, when I heard that, the first time I heard that song I went I need to write a song like that and that's right. when I, I, I wrote that song that I just released actually I wrote that song like six years ago man, seven years ago Yeah. so it's just been a kind of acoustic song for ages and we never got around to actually making it a band song with either used to jam it quite a lot, but we never really got into actually finishing it off. And then, obviously, when I, when I became a solo, I thought, here's the perfect opportunity to get into the studio and finish it off. Eh? So that's yeah. what I did. Well, that's it. I mean, because the two songs for the for the EP, they both sound kind of different. So, obviously, another two to come for it. What, what do you reckon they sound like? Are they similar to the first one? Or again, the next one that's the next, the next one that's coming out sounds kind of like, I would say it sounds kind of like the first song that I released, not on the EP, but the mm-hmm. first one that I released last year, the one that's called These Times, so I don't know if you've heard it yet. Uh-huh. The one that, the, 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 my next single coming out sounds, no, it's actually not a Vida song, um, even though, again, it was one of those these ones. These Times? I thought getting, These Times was the, the Vida one. No, right? it was when, when the Sun, that was the Vida song. All oh, right. Aye. Um, these times that was just totally my own song but it was again it was one of those ones that we jammed with, um, with the band but I could never finish it off I couldn't find a chorus so when I came became solo I finished that one off as well finished uh, finished writing it released it as a first song by then the next upcoming song kind of sounds it's got the same kind of vibe as that one right. and then after that there's a like a upbeat kind of just me and acoustic song after that to finish it off right. so I mean you could you could probably say that the four songs in the EP all do sound slightly different really especially right, that one that I just released that's like totally different but there's a different element to each song which is a good thing I think yeah well that's I mean I've been mega impressed uh, with the time I got to hear these like uh, VW's away so so anyway the podcast is called Time for Heroes so what I kind of ask all my guests is kind of you're having a dinner party you have to invite four of your heroes so they can be dead or alive or whatever. So they don't need to be for music. It can be whatever you want them to be. Just let us know who you're, who's coming to your dinner and why. Right, okay. Dead. So dead people. That sounds mad saying that, yeah, dead people. <laughs> if there's two, I'll, I'll do two dead and two alive, right? So if I can bring two dead people back, I'd bring back George Best. He's a hero. I'm a Hibs fan. Right. So George Best. Love George Best. I'd love to hear his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd be, he'd be brilliant. And, and then I would bring well. back... 
Aye. <laughs> what was I saying, mate? He's the fifth Beatle as well, isn't he? That's what he was known yeah, as. Yeah, there they go, aye. The George Best. Um, John Lennon. Obviously. He'd be in the dead yeah. category, I think, because he's just a legend, isn't he? Yeah. He's an absolute legend. It's just John Lennon. He's like, God, isn't he, for music? Um, he'd, I'd bring him back. Alive people. Billy Connolly. That's a good choice. I think he'd be brilliant. Imagine having him there. What a laugh yeah. that would be. And I love listening to his stories. See me hear him telling stories, and he's he's, he's amazing. And I would have to bring I would have to bring somebody to make the dinner make the dinner because I can't cook me. I'm hopeless. Unless right. they're wanting curly fries and fucking chicken strips, in. I have to <laughs> well, bring somebody else to make the dinner. That was your next question actually. As what you're what you're cooking them, so you're you're already saying that you're bailing out in the curtain. I'm bailing out. So I'll, I'll invite I'll invite. Um, let me think. I think I think a chef. Gino De Campo. He's fucking, he's funny as fuck, man. <laughs> you know, get Gino along, mate. Give you some laugh. Right. <laughs> uh, that so would be some Kerry ones. He would be for. We Barry Conley and uh, George Best, and that would be some Kerry on. How would And then Lennon <laughs> just playing a couple of tunes, man. That's the thing. We'll see if you had John Lennon there. Do you think you would even bother talking to the rest of them, or would you just be kind of? Mesmerised with him. This is it, eh? This is the thing. I think I'll put, I think, well, I don't know, I think everybody would be mesmerised by John Lennon, wouldn't you? would be sitting there just looking at him going, fucking hell, man. Mm. John Lennon. Um, I don't know, mate. But I think I think that's a good little, that's, there's a good mix to that. There's a good yeah. balance to that party there. So you've got Gino, he's going to make a cracking dinner. He's going to make a good fucking meal. And he's a good laugh. And he's funny. Billy Connolly is just, Billy Connolly is an absolute legend. Tells good stories. George Best, fucking best football player ever. Played with Hibs. Tell me some good stories. Mm. And then obviously, like you said, John Lennon, just to sit there and admire. Yeah, I can't believe you went for uh, George Best or Gary Caldwell. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Caldwell. That's funny. See, that's actually quite funny. You mentioned Gary Caldwell. See, when I was younger. Um, my brother, my brother's only two years older than me, so we're quite close in age. He uh, he caddied for Gary Caldwell golf. Right. Played eighteen holes with Gary Caldwell and caddied for him. Um, that was when he was playing the Hibs. Right. Uh, he was he was a good player for Hibs, but I think he went to he went to the Glasgow Fishbowl, didn't he? Yeah, that's been brilliant, man. Thank you for coming on. Me bother, mate. It's been good. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch about anything, you can contact me on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast or on Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or you can drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com. You can find the podcast in all the usual places. Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes and many more. Please leave a review wherever you can and share it with others. But more importantly, enjoy the show.
Cold will stay.